is difficult, but inevitable. That's why we want to remind you that it doesn't have to be so scary. Our mission is to educate, center, and intrigue you while making tasteful humor along the way. Welcome to another episode of Home is Where the Grave is. We are your hosts, Dulce. And I'm Unity. Join us in our journey to educate, intrigue, and center ourselves on the subject of death and what comes after. So, Unity, how has your week been? Yes, I am Unity. And that is how I feel. (laughs) It's been a rough couple of weeks, guys, especially for our wonderful co-host here. It's, you know, we've had some struggles. We've, We've talked about it back and forth. We've trudged through it. And all that matters is that we have open communication and we we work through our problems. Because that's what besties do. That's right. Especially besties who have known each other for about the age of a, a sophomore high school student. Literally. It's been, what, 15, 16 years? I'm losing count now. We are almost, we've almost known each other for as long as when the age when we first met each other. Wow. That's depressing. <laughs> on, <laughs> on another note, it's been good. I wouldn't say anything super exciting. I think it's just on a downhill slope to Calmville, which is where I need to be. How about you? How's your week been? All I can do is look forward to the things and events that will keep me alive because I look forward to them. For instance, here in Tennessee, we have Middle Tennessee Anime Convention coming up. Well, of course I'm going. And in Georgia, Atlanta, Georgia, there is the awesome Momocon that I have, I went to last year and it is an anime convention that is four stories. Freaking incredible. Good grief. I mean, you just came, went to a, it's a smaller con, but it was in Clarksville. How did that go? People may think that small cons aren't worth going to. But at this one, we had the voice actor for Frieza attending. And, you know, Frieza Dragon Ball was my childhood. Frieza was absolutely horrifying and incredible. So it was so cool to see her. Dang, that's pretty neat. Wouldn't expect that at like a one day con. They even had a pool like right in the lobby. And they had somebody cosplaying as a mermaid in the pool. I have her card. It that was cool. is amazing. Wow, that's pretty dope. I'm not going to lie. Also, go to your local cons to support local vendors. Hey, I always like seeing new vendors. They're, they're fun to talk to. So let's get into our episode today. It's about Lady Ghouls, right? One of my favorite subjects because Lady Ghouls or ghosts based on women are some of the most, in my opinion, terrifying ghost stories out there. They're the type of stories that make us go home before it gets too dark outside. The kind of stories that make you avoid dark and scary alleys by yourself. In Mexico, we have a um, a famous female ghost that terrorized the entire country to this day. Very I've never true. met anyone, adult or child, that isn't terrified of this ghost. And Mexico, I think we are more afraid of this ghost than we are of cartels. Or maybe it's even, even. That's both. impressive. We're both, they're both scary. <laughs> That's pretty impressive. I just have to say, to control an entire country. Like, and then, you know, being a female ghost, you know, long, dark hair, 
face hidden, screeching claws compared to Bob, the ghost. Poor you Bob. See, <laughs> you see what I mean? But it's true. It's true. Why do you think horror movies, like some of the best horror movies, have always been female ghosts, female ghouls, female spirits and entities and poltergeist oh definitely what was it the grudge and the ring one of the most infamous things is the the young girl long black hair in her face long white gown doesn't say anything just very minimal body language and movements but right in your face i imagined samara from the ring behind my curtains every single night for about seven years when I was a kid. Oh my goodness. And I can count the years because that's how I am was very aware of how long this had lasted. Ooh. Every night, every single night, I saw that little girl, that little ghostly pale girl with the long hair covering her face. And that scene at the ring at the end gets me every single time. Still one of the most horrifying scenes I've ever seen. Man, I, you know, it's funny for when it comes to horror movies, I think it is still the, the one that does it for me. The, uh, I never got over that for the longest. And I know we're talking about lady goals, but I, I think the ring and the grudge were pretty bad. They were pretty bad, but I think La Llorona was, uh, still the worst one for me. Really? Still, yeah. <laughs> Just the way they, they did the storytelling had me terrified. I was like, you know what? I'm just not going out at night. I will I will be in my house. You've come to Mexico with me, so I'm guessing just about everybody told you their encounters with La Llorona. Just about everyone had a story. <laughs> I'm like, wow, this is a shared experience, isn't it? We just go have sleepovers and all experience La Llorona in the middle of the night. I don't believe in ghosts, but I'm not gonna I'm not gonna tempt fate. Yeah, I'm not gonna tempt fate. <laughs> Smart. Very smart to always be respectful of, you know, legends, folklores, all of it. Because you don't know. There might be a hint of truth there. And I'm not <laughs> testing it. Not today. I don't believe in ghosts, but I believe in maybe some way that somebody's soul, when they die, gets captured by Mother Earth or in another dimension. And they somehow come into this dimension. And maybe that's what ghosts are. Hmm. Interesting. Like, or they're like an image like when, when you take a picture with mm -hmm. lights and then flash stays in your eyes, maybe maybe that's what a ghost is. It's the remain, the the just that flash of them still that lingers around like dying star, like they're going to be around for a while. The memory image. So it may not have an actual cognizant being attached to it anymore, but they continue their same routine day after day, night after night. Scaring the living daylights out of the ones that are still alive. Interesting. Possible. With that little tidbit, let's get into our first of many female ghosts that we'll be talking about today. Yes. So we're going to start about the women in white. The women in white are ghost stories found throughout the world who share similar legends. They appear as women with long, straight hair, wearing a white, long dress, as they wander the earth. Their stories are very similar. Their deaths were a result of violence, either accidental, murder, or suicide. They represent themes of loss, betrayal of a lover, and unrequited love. Here are a few of the popular examples that we've brought to you today. You want to start with the first one? 
So this first one is Resurrection Mary near and dear to my heart because she is from Chicago, where my dad's side of the family has lived for generations. Arguably, it is also one of the most famous American ghost stories in the nation. The legend goes that Mary was a young woman walking home when she was tragically killed in a hit and run in the 1920s. Since then, drivers have reported seeing a young woman in a white dress walking in the dead of night. Drivers who are kind enough to give her a ride may turn around and find she's disappeared without opening the door. Others may encounter her in the dance halls and offer to dance, only to find out that her hands are cold to the touch. Mary is named for Resurrection Cemetery, where she is believed to be buried. My grandfather happens to be buried here as well, which is how I've become so well acquainted with this ghost. And to be honest, I do need to go visit my grandfather, and I'll let you guys know if I happen to encounter Resurrection Mary. Man, let me tell you. Um, you know, I'm good. I'm good. <laughs> I see so many people's videos are they uh whether they're staged or not, still very equally terrifying where they're just driving down the road and they see this random lady and it's like, "Oh, she seems like she needs help or she doesn't say very much." Or if she does say something, she's like, "Can you give me a ride?" And they just let this person in their car. I know they're meaning well, but nah. Nah, not me. I'll call the police for you. Here in Tennessee, we have these long, dark country roads. Mm -hmm. Every single time I imagine I'm going to see somebody walking on the side of the road with a long white dress and long, dark hair or stepping in front of my car, causing me to crash and (laughs) all sorts of things go through your mind when you're driving through these long, creepy, dark roads here in the country. You know, it's really ironic, too, because you and I both almost fit that description We could fit that description very easily and naturally. (laughs) As much as I fear lady in white, I also want to be that lady in white scaring (laughs) the bejesus out of people to prove ghost stories are false because I want to be the one scaring the crap out of people claiming that I'm a woman in white. And they're like, I heard the woman in white. And I'd be like, it was me. You'd be really good at a haunted house. (laughs) (laughs) So I think your next person you're going to be talking about is La Llorona, but I want to give you a quick introduction to the ladies in white in Hispanic countries, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, Ladies in white are said to appear throughout Latin America. Even La Llorona is said to appear in other countries besides Mexico. In Brazil, La Dama Branca is said to have been a woman who died in childbirth or violent causes. One Brazilian folklorist said her origins may come from the violent deaths of women killed in honor killings by their fathers or husbands because they were suspected of adultery or having fallen in love with someone else. Ooh. Dun-dun-dun-dun. But since we talked about La Llorona, why don't you tell us about her? Well, La Llorona, I know we're talking about ladies and white similarities, but La Llorona really does stand out on her own. And let me tell you why. So, La Llorona is actually a concept that can be traced all the way back to Aztec times. A little tidbit about Aztec culture. There are spirits for a lot of different aspects of how their society functioned. Okay. For instance, women who died in childbirth could become spirits that could either be well-intentioned or malicious. And so La Llorona 
To some historians, she is believed to be a version of these women who become ghouls after having died in childbirth. But the stories that I read also talk of La Llorona as being the collective spirits of women whose children were sacrificed in Aztec ceremonies. Really? But for most people, La Llorona, the story, because there's very many variations, but the one that I know goes like this. La Llorona was either a single mother to two children or a widow looking for new love. She becomes passionately in love with a new man who refuses her advances because he doesn't want a woman saddled with children. In a fit of rage, she takes her children to a nearby river and drowns them. Almost immediately, overcome by remorse, she jumps into the river to retrieve her children. She either kills herself in despair or drowns as well. As punishment, La Llorona roams Mexico looking for her lost children. She weeps as she searches. Her cries become louder as she gets closer. She then screams, Ay, mis hijos, which means, oh, my children, to anyone caught on her path. And anyone unlucky enough to encounter La Llorona is said to later be found drowned in a nearby river. Any unattended children may also be stolen, spirited away by La Llorona, forever looking for her dead children. Her terror is so present in Mexico to this day that I have yet to meet anyone who isn't terrified of her. In my hometown, I was often told that she visited from time to time, and each time people would close their doors and windows and went home before dark until La Llorona's weeping was no longer heard. Yikes. And because of migration patterns, there have been reports of La Llorona now appearing in the United States, especially in areas with large Hispanic populations. So if you go to Texas, you might encounter La Llorona. Dun, 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 dun. No, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> no, thank you. <laughs> uh, uh, do you think it would work if I was being chased by one of these vengeful spirits or one of these ghoul ladies and just be like, you need my consent. <laughs> you can't. I don't think La Llorona <laughs> works like that. Need consent. <laughs> I feel like other ghosts would, but La Llorona is a special category. Terrifying. She's just there to F your crap up in polite terms. In polite terms. <laughs> <laughs> you know what she means. <laughs> And I didn't even do the scream correctly, which I can, but I don't want to terrorize our listeners. They can YouTube it. It's fine. (laughs) (laughs) There are actually two movies about La Llorona that I love. You know, the first one is made by the same people who did The Conjuring. It's okay. You know, Mm. it's got some moments of horrible scenes that are, like, pretty cool. But there's also an indie film called La Llorona which talks more a little bit about the political climate of Latin America since the 60s, how some countries embraced uh, genocide to try to remove indigenous populations. And thus, another version of La Llorona was born. Because La Llorona, she's much more than just a ghost. She is like a comment on society. She's a ghost story born from the horrors of humanity. Oof. So I definitely recommend watching it. It's so freaking good. And, you know, I think it brings up the age-old question sometimes, too, is, like, for those of us that do believe that ghosts exist, just for their sole purpose, they exist for whatever reason, you then wonder with a lot of these folklores, did the ghost exist of its own volition, or did society create it because of how much they believed in it? 
Just something to think about. Hmm. We'll have to touch more on this subject another time. Spirituality. So, next category is going to be Vengeful Spirits. Ooh. Dun, 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 dun. Yes, we listed all of these ghosts in categories because they kind of, you know, they're all very different from one another. In in terms of how much they can either just haunt you or physically affect you or threaten you. Or just, you know, be absolutely horrifying. (laughs) Just overall terrible, okay? So it looks like the first one that we've got is Lizzie Borden. She actually has a poem attached to her grisly crime. Us, as millennials, grew up with the very lovely poem of Lizzie Borden. Mm. And if you didn't know, this was based on a true story. Yes, it was. Which makes it more terrifying. Please tell us a little bit more, Unity. So Lizzie Borden took an axe and gave her mother 40 wax. When she saw what she had done, she gave her father 41. The poem almost directly describes how Lizzie allegedly brutally killed her parents. Photos show the murder scenes with her father's unrecognizable body slumped over in the living room. Despite strong suspicions, Lizzie was acquitted of the murders and lived until dying of pneumonia at the age of 66. Mm -hmm. But the ghost story doesn't stop there. Lizzie's home, the site of her parents' death, is now a bed and breakfast in Fall River, Massachusetts. Because why wouldn't you make it into a bed and breakfast? It's on my bucket list. Oh my god. Visitors can stay in the room where Lizzie's mother was found, with much of the house either original or duplicated to look as it was when Lizzie was alive. Ghost tours start at night, of course, and Lizzie herself is said to haunt her home. And she got away with it, yo. That's insane. Like, everything I've read, basically historians are like, pretty sure she did it. Yeah. There was one other suspect, but it was way more likely that Lizzie did it. And she had, like, barely any evidence to point to the contrary. She was like, she had, I don't think she even had an alibi. Oh my goodness. <laughs> and wow. you can, yeah, you can see pictures of her dead parents to this day. And they've recreated the scene as much as possible. Like, you can sit on the couch where her daddy slumped over with <sighs> this head, like, mutilated. Just why, though? Why would you want to? Why not? Oh, fair enough. <laughs> it, just, it just poses the question, why, but why not? Uh, so, our next lady of mystery and of red... And vengeful spirits. And vengeful spirits is a childhood favorite, which many of us may or may not have uh, been dared to play in the mirror at a lonely sleepover. You want to tell us about her? Hell yeah. <laughs> I freaking love Bloody Mary. <laughs> Kind of my namesake as well. And I love drinking Bloody Marys. <laughs> and I was going to say, <laughs> and a good drink. <laughs> so Bloody Mary is actually a general term referring to a spirit that is said to appear in a mirror when her name is chanted repeatedly to tell the future. Mm-hmm. Some say the spirit is Elizabeth Bathory, a 17th century Hungarian countess who allegedly tortured and killed around 660 girls and women, bathed in their blood, and was accused of vampirism. She could also be Mary Worth, 
a woman who was a slave and could have been killed while trying to escape the American South via the Underground Railroad. Or she was a woman who was burned at the stake during the witch trials in the early modern period of the United States. But most know Bloody Mary as Mary I of England, the daughter of the equally infamous Henry VIII, who during her short reign as Queen of England had more than 300 religious Protestant dissenters burnt at the stake. In reality, the story is a lot more complicated like, than that. Mary is actually a figure that I would consider has been very unfairly treated by history. She was not as horrible as people make her sound out to be, considering that her sister, Elizabeth I, had 750 people executed during the Catholic uprising. It's just something you did when monarchy switched. You had to get rid of the opposition. So Mm. technically, her sister had her beat in that category. And Mary herself, she was a tortured figure. If you don't know anything about Henry VIII, he had several wives. It goes divorced, beheaded, died, divorced, beheaded, survived. Yep. So his first wife, he divorced her. And that was the start of all of this history that the fact that he completely separated from the Catholic Church and the Pope that had been aligned with England for so long. Yep. Just so he could get a divorce because he couldn't get a divorce as a Catholic. And, you know, completely shunned and embarrassed his wife and daughter because he had he wanted nothing to do with them after that. And by the way, his first wife was the widowed wife of her brother because he married his dead brother's wife. He had no shame. And he had a daughter and he really wanted a son, which is how this whole thing started. Mm -hmm. And right after he divorced Mary's mother, he threw both her and her mother in a nunnery and basically condemned her to a life of madness because by the time Mary got the throne, she was riddled with health problems and freaking crazy because of the years of abuse and torture inflicted upon her by her father, who absolutely despised her. So he threw them both in a nunnery. Yes. There was a, what was it, another one of his wives, was it Anne Boleyn? Mm Mm-hmm. So they're, they've come out with more, I don't know if it's a documentary or a show, I keep seeing bits and pieces of it, but it's more to show who she was, not the rumors of who she was. So I think one of the biggest things people keep arguing about is that she kept begging for her life when he beheaded her. But in fact, it was much more than that. She was pregnant at the time, he cheated on her, she miscarried because of the stress. And, you know, overall, he was done with her. So he decided to behead her and create all these rumors that she was cheating on him. And then with she her was brother, with her brother. Yep. Incestuous. And uh, when he when she finally had to step up to the execution area, she was calm and composed and not like how they described that she was begging for her life and crying and screaming. She was composed. She knew it was coming. He, she was not going to let him have her dignity. So, also wanted to point out that these famous ghost story, Bloody Mary, mm-hmm. is world known worldwide. Yes. It's one of the most famous ghost stories. And it's about Mary, not her 
bitch ass daddy. <laughs> just, <wanna say> that. <laughs> just saying one way or another she made her name known to the <laughs> world okay <laughs> but yeah i remember that as a kid um like saying her name three times in the mirror and see if she'd pop up and scare you and it's just like ah, nothing i'm hispanic we don't mess with that no thanks no we don't thanks. even have a ouija board in my house to this day even if i don't believe in the stuff why test it why, why test because it? it was ingrained into us that don't even try it don't do it no, that's what I'm saying. Why would you want to test that theory? <laughs> also, for a lover of horror movies, yes, why test it? Why? There's yep. like half of the horror genre is because of Ouija boards. True. Very <laughs> true. <laughs> this concludes part one of Niche Sode number four, Lady Ghouls. Tune in next time for part two. Don't forget to follow along for our new episode every Monday on all major podcast platforms such as Spotify, Apple Podcast, Google Podcast, TuneIn, and Podcast Addict. If you enjoy listening, then please hit that subscribe button. And if you have questions or want to pique your morbid curiosity, then visit our socials on Facebook, Instagram, and TikTok. And even email us any questions, stories, or remarks that you want to share, we'd love to hear them at sweetprogressinc at gmail.com. Don't forget to get some merch on your way out at our Etsy store, Delicate Death. Until next time, stay alive! alive.